Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me today is a man that goes by the name of Ricky Spanish, uh, a complete anon. Nobody has heard of this guy before. He's not been on any podcasts before. I was introduced by a mutual friend who said, you have to speak to this guy. And he was right. And this guy's out there doing the work of Satoshi without any accolades at all. Nobody knows what he's doing. Nobody knows why he's doing it until now. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for coming on, Mr. Ricky Spanish. And I look forward to meeting you very, very soon. Before we go, uh, before we get into the episode, please make sure you are supporting the show sponsors. I'm sure regular listeners know who it is by now, but Swan Bitcoin, have you covered? SwanBitcoin.com forward slash bitten. Go start stacking in the US and go and visit them on the West Coast. They have the Pacific Bitcoin Conference coming up very soon. Go and meet the team. Relay across Europe, the Swan equivalent on Euroland. And uh, they both now have the private service where you are going to get that white glove service if you need or if you so desire. So make sure you reach out to both of these companies. Coin Corner just dropped huge news. Massive, massive coup in the Middle East. If you've not seen it, go check the Coin Corner tweet thread or Danny or Molly or MSW or Dangerous Dave from Accounts. They've got you covered. You can stack with them and you can also order the bulk card or onboard your merchants your favorite places you like to go and you want to spend Bitcoin, Coin Corner can help you. Stack safe, use the Bitbox 02, Bitcoin only edition hardware wallet by Shift Crypto. Use shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten, you'll get 5% discount. They've just given away a free ticket to the Amsterdam conference and a bunch of other merch. This is a great company. Please make sure you are following what they are doing. If you want to get to some conferences, Hit the links in the show notes. You can get yourself across to Amsterdam and get a 10% discount if you use the code BITTEN at checkout. That is coming up middle of October. End of October, liberty in our lifetime. Use the code PRINCY for a 10% discount, I think. But double check the show notes. Like I say, hit that link and you can come and meet myself, Stefan Levera, Svetsky and a handful of others at the conference in Prague put on by Free Cities Foundation. Now, are you buying your friends and family the books they need to help them understand Bitcoin? Consensus Network, have you covered? Just go follow them on Twitter, use the code BITTEN at checkout, get 10% off, and also get 10% off if you pay via the Lightning Network. And you might also want to check out Ungovernable Misfits. This is from your boy Max at the Bit by Bit podcast and his partner in crime, Mr. Crown, who have put together some very, very cool t-shirts, hoodies, caps, whatever it is that you're into. Go and check them out. You'll get a discount as well, 10% off if you use the code BITTEN. And as a side note, get across to Silverstone. That's coming up in the middle of October. We talk about that in this rip. I hope you enjoy it. Again, thanks again, Ricky, for coming on. 
or Tony or whoever you might be. I look forward to meeting you soon. All right. Um, I, I, Ricky Spanish, right? Is that what we're going with? Is there you any other name? Me, you... You, can, you can call me Tony. So, Tony. so I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what it is. Um, yep. Let's start with the disclaimer about privacy. I, I appreciate that some Bitcoin guys and some other guys out there have, uh, they want to be secretive and it may be because they're holding a lot or, you know, they, they have other reasons, you know, business interests and stuff like that. My privacy is that I don't agree to the terms and conditions of mainstream social media or, um, you know, your Googles of the world. I, I don't agree. I've read, I'm one of those few people that have read the terms and conditions and I do not accept. So, <laughs> so, so for everyday people, Tony's good enough. I'm, I'm okay with that. Ricky Spanish is the handle that I use because uh, I have an air of mischief about me, apparently. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and maybe not so much for you, Lauren, but when you're a bit older, look up Ricky Spanish from American Dad. It's, uh, it's quite entertaining. <laughs> so, okay. Oh, I didn't realize that was a kid. I've never watched American Dad, so I'm, I'm behind. Not for children. Okay. All right. No, we won't watch that then. Although I, I walk in and they're watching like Rick and Morty and I'm like, what the? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You introduced it first. It's your so, fault. No, our friend introduced it. Well, mm. All I would say is that my 13-year-old, he's as guilty. So right. uh, <laughs> Rick and Morty is way worse than American Dad. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, well, Lauren's ready with her first question. Uh, oh, which wonderful. Is, which is a first, to be honest. It's only taken 280-odd episodes, but uh, <laughs> here we go. What moment in your life changed your thinking the most? Oh, that is... Uh, I would say uh, I... my uh, and, and to light touch this, Lauren, I was uh, seriously injured in a, in a uh, previous career. Um, for the benefit of your military viewers to put a bit of comedy on it, I was zigging when I should have been zagging, which is a, a pattern of movement when people are shooting at you. <laughs> and uh, it, put, it put me in hospital for a while, but the recovery period was years and arguably still ongoing. So it's changed my life forever. And when you go from being a 1,000 miles an hour all of the time to a dead stop, you have time to think and thinking when you have nothing to occupy your time can be a double-edged sword. So that's, that I would say is probably the defining moment for me. Any further questions on, uh, on that? Any further questions? Let's see. Because I'm going to go with loads in a second. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've got none, I mean, don't. Okay, then 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 don't force it. Yeah. Uh, do you want to say uh, you know thank you and, and good night to Ricky, yeah. Tony? <laughs> you get used to that. Yeah. Well, Anyways. yeah, it's lovely to speak to you. Um, and I, I love the homeschooling. We homeschool too. We've been doing it for years. Our thirteen-year-old. Is that he's a, a lovely, well-balanced young man. And from what I've seen of you on camera, you are a lovely, well-balanced young woman and your parents should be very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you, you mean to say your homeschool child is an, an awkward, unsociable uh, misfit? <laughs> 
that just sits in the basement, not talking to anyone and will never be right. able to get a job. Yeah, you know, second head, you're growing out the shoulder, you know, all, all, yeah, we've had it all. Um, well, we, we homeschool all three of our children. I say we, I, I can't take, the, it's predominantly my wife. I can't take all the credit, but do you know what? They're lovely, well-rounded children and people always compliment us on, you know, how much they know and how well socialised they are. So uh, don't believe the hype if, if you're listening about state schools. No, exactly. Don't believe the FUD. Okay, Lauren, say goodbye. Bye. Good night. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, yeah, big shout out to Simon who set this up. I met him uh, originally at the uh, the Avon Valley Bitcoin Adventure Weekend uh, that was held just outside of Bristol at like a wildlife adventure park with the kids. Brilliant, brilliant event. Make sure if you are listening to look out for that event again next year, probably early July. Family event. Got to meet his wife and the kids as well. And then we met again at the first home game in Bedford uh, with his wife and kids. And our kids got on um, straight away and our wives got on straight away, which is very common with uh, with Bitcoiner families. Uh, and then uh, he came on the podcast as uh, one of the uh, the three musketeers of the Bridge to Bitcoin gang. And he told me at that game in Bedford, he just started working with one of the most interesting blokes he's ever met in his life. And I 100% need to contact him and, and have him on the podcast to talk about his life experience. And uh, that is you, Tony, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so let's, um, let's figure this out then, because you, you've clearly got this, life mo this, this life-changing moment um, which which you just described to Lauren. Can we get that that full story so we can just set this up for the listeners and then um, we yeah, can start, sure. um, you know, seeing what epiphanies that you were having as you were going through that uh, recovery process and uh, perhaps uncovering some, perhaps more, not uncovering lies, more like, uh, you know, finding some intuitive thoughts and connecting some dots. So take us back. What, what were you doing? What happened? And um, then we'll get into it. Okay. So I think, I think just for, uh, to paint the picture, we probably need to go back a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so what, what I would say is that when, when you meet people, like I, I was, in the military but when i say that i mean i was 100 percent in i was a lifer you know that was that was it there was nothing else um i uh you know i bought into the system hook line and sinker i supported that um and i didn't look elsewhere for it so uh there was some sort of pre-moments so it's talking about having something to think about when you're in hospital for weeks you know at, at a time and you know, only sort of being broken up by the odd jailbreak in a wheelchair to a pub, you know, which was, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a difference. That's a different story. But, you know, uh, so, so what, what I thought may be helpful is that, like, to, to paint the picture, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not James Bond. I never was. But, you know, when, you know, when you watch the news and you see the guy with the riot shield, in the gear and he's mm -hmm. got the he's got the plastic shield and the and the stick and he's whacking the crowd that was me you know so so like i was in 
and and sort of on reflection when you look at it and you go you know how does that guy how does that guy not realize that what he's doing is suppressing freedom and mm. genuinely it's because you believe that what you're doing is upholding freedom the system paints this picture so that you and by the system <laughs> i mean you know the military system you know you're you're fed your intelligence your information and that's 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 black and white you know that might as well be the bible you know what you're being told is fact but there you know so i never met bad people in the army i met people who uh, genuinely believe that the system you know queen and country right that's freedom that was the definition that's what we knew that's what we did we were all from the same catchment you know we were council estate kids from broken homes you know terrible backgrounds you you know you you get the picture it's prime recruiting and it's it's a well-known doctrine not just not just in the uk you look at the you know highest recruitment figures in most country in most western countries are the most deprived areas so it's great you know there's this offer of stability and you know almost like um the thing that you're missing in your life that you don't realize you're missing and of course coming from you know less affluent areas the people that you meet the ones who are doing well the tradesmen the builders you know they were navy army air force whatever they all had a military background so you, you buy into the system really young, you know, you, you're, you're sold and you don't, you're blinkered and you don't look outside of it. And why would you, you know, it's giving you free food and clothes and all you've got to do is go and, you know, bash a bad guy over the head with a stick sort of thing. So but there was little glimmers inside of that. There was things that happened that I didn't piece together until obviously I'm, I'm, I'm laid up in, I was in Queen Elizabeth, the first hospital in Birmingham and, and, you know, time, and, and your own head is a is a messy thing and and so some of those points are what i wanted to cover to put context on the story and i think that one of those uh, one of those times for me was we we were in kenya now i'd i'd never heard of kenya i mean you know there's no point in sugarcoating it i wasn't the best student at school i never heard of the place and when when you when you deploy somewhere and you go there so that was a training exercise right so we're there for I think it's eight weeks or something like that. You get sort of two weeks rest and recuperation. And uh, I went, to, so this is pre-internet. This is pre-smartphones. This is, you know, pre any of that. You get like a 20 minute call card that you can use in a setup payphone every two weeks. right? And I've gone in to see a guy called a clerk, pay clerk. They issue you money. You write a check for a certain amount and they give you that in fiat, right? And he'd got pallets of money behind him. Pallets, no joke. Proper, not Euro pallets, not the short ones, proper pallets of money. And on the pallets were Kenyan shillings. No idea about, you know, exchange rates or any of this stuff. And I've gone in there and I've said to him, I'd like to withdraw some money. And he says, how much do you want? Because you've got to write him a check to command cashier. That's what you make the check out to. And I said, oh, I don't know, 500 quid. And he looked at me like I'd grown a second head. And he said, do you understand that that's about a quarter of this pallet? <laughs> where, where are you going to put it? And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, 200 quid. <laughs> you know, now, now I'm negotiating with the guy, right? I'm negotiating with him about, because he, he needs to get rid of it, right? So he's had to sign for these pallets of money and come hell or high water, we're taking this off of him. But obviously you can't go with it tucked in your pockets and everything. <laughs> it's a problem. So 
I ended up settling on about, I think it was about 200 quid. And let's, you know, I'm not really keen on swearing too much, but let's call it twat tax, right? I would, I'd got this filthy, and it was the most physically filthy money I'd ever seen in my life. You know, and I've got loads of it. Now, one of the things that you do in the army a lot when you have, because the army is this sort of place where it's a place of extremes. When the army's good, you're never going to beat it, right? You're skiing on the Alps for next to no money with the best kit, doing the best things. When the army's crap, it's the seventh circle of hell. You know, the world is ending. There's no, there's no in-between. So, so this is sort of a surreal picture in that now I've got literally physically more banknotes than I've ever seen in my life in one place. And now I'm, I'm packing them into every pocket. So I do the only sensible thing that you can do when you walk out of the guy's tent, tell the next guy, don't get 600 quid, ask for 500 because I asked for 600. Right? And this is what <laughs> happened to me. So, so it's the first and only card game in my life because we went back to the compound and we're playing cards where we've got local workers who've never seen this much money mm. um, at, on, on our R&R. And it's on the table. Everybody's got on the table and everybody's trying to get rid of it. It's the first card game where everybody's all in all of the time, desperately trying to get rid of this money. That's, that's milestone one for me. Mm. You know, I had no idea about money at that point. So then, oh, sorry. I, I was going to say, well, it's weird how we have these touch points when we look back in life. Uh, and this was uh, clearly one of them that is priming you without knowing it, you were being primed for Bitcoin. Yes. Yeah. And then that, so the next one, unfortunately is not as, not as pleasant as a card game in Kenya. Um, so I uh, went to Kosovo and Bosnia and the, you know, once upon a during, time during the conflict or for more so, training. No, no. So this, this was, this was conflict. So right. obviously so, once, for the American listeners, do you, do you just want to explain what that conflict was about, like loosely, or the propaganda you were told, at least? Yes. So, so the um, the Yugoslavian war was over. So, so the Americans were were there. And actually, when I was in Bosnia, we worked alongside the US Marine Corps. So they had um, they had uh, a small detachment of troops there as well. But uh, so you get you get conflict so you get war and then you get conflict and then you get so i guess you'd call it conflict management so the fighting's ongoing and has been ongoing for years and then you rotate through kosovo was different so that was um when we we were crashed out to kosovo so we were in the uk on a thing called spearhead so you're on 24 hours notice to move and deploy anywhere that you need to go and the call came in and within I think it was at the time it was a record deployment, something like within four hours, we'd gone from being in the UK to being in Kosovo on the ground. And this was, uh, a, 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 it, there was a flare up there between uh, two, uh, two villages, if you like. So, I mean, to, to us, to people who live in the UK, they'd be like, it'd be like a, a medium to large town, but this, you know, we forget we're quite small comparatively, even to places that are, you know, eating themselves internally. And the thing, the thing that stuck with me in both of those places, I mean, apart from obviously the genus, everything had bullet holes in it, you know, was that this was a holiday country. This country used to be beautiful. You know, the, the houses were nice. You could see that, you know, there were 
functioning roads and facilities and there was ski resorts. And I remember in particular being uh, in uh, a place called um, Pristina, which is the, the, the capital of Kosovo. And you could see that the infrastructure was once there. And you, when you spoke to the locals, you know, this place had been turned on its head and it was unrecognizable, even to the people who'd lived through all of that. And, and I can remember thinking, wow, how far, you know, and how long must this have taken? And you talk to them and it was, it, 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 was, it was like it was overnight to them. You know, I'd got this perception of years and they'd got this experience of weeks, you know. And that, <laughs> that really sort of hammered a point home for me that, you know, when things, when things go wrong, you know they 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 go significantly wrong and and that, like I say I never thought about it but that was another pin and there's a lot more sort of complex and nuanced things that I saw between Kosovo and Bosnia you know a lot of good and a lot of bad you know people carving something out of nothing to help other people and you know a lot of bad blood was still there you know it's quite interesting but I, I sort of bracket that you know Northern Ireland was another one for me Weirdly, you know, never, never having left England. I mean, I went, went to the Isle of Wight on a school trip. That was my claim to fame, you know, prior to the army. And, and you go to the Northern Ireland and here's this place where, you know, it's not, it's not imploding, but people are legit killing each other. And, you know, they're smashing each other, you know, smashing each other's property and setting fire to stuff. And there's huge riots of tens of thousands of people in some instances. And, and they were, you look at the streets and it could have been a road in my town. You know, the, the, the road names were the same. The houses were built the same. All right, the people had a different accent, but they had a WH Smiths. You know, <laughs> there was nothing, you know, it, it was the same. And, and being ill-informed, only hearing one side of a narrative, not understanding the conflict, not living it, you know, it's not until you have time to think or you have the opportunity to research that you you find out that there there are more angles to a story than what you've initially been sold. And um, and I sort of bracket Kosovo and Bosnia and, and and Northern Ireland into what 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 I call the sort of classical operational tours. You know, they're the ones that everybody did. You did the rounds. You know, when there wasn't a new war. And then what I, what, I, what I really think messed everything up and, you know, it, it is, is what me and some of my friends refer to as the Muslim problem. Not that Muslims are a problem, but the, 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 the ISIS, the um, Al-Qaeda, they, they switched the game up completely. They put conventional warfare on its head and put, you know, put the, the institutions, of, all Western institutions through a loop. I mean, we're talking about people who put shoes, uh, bombs in shoes, right? So, so this, isn't, this isn't traditional warfare. You know, this is, this is something else. And, and the system was really poor at adapting, really, really poor at adapting. And uh, the knee-jerk reaction to that was, like, I remember being trained how to make bombs. So not counter-terrorism, being trained in terrorism. So they were, his, I remember sitting in a lecture hall with like 600 other guys and they're teaching us how to be terrorists and thinking this is this has got the potential to be horrific you know if you get one of these guys goes goes off the reservation you've spent months showing him how to build bombs out stuff under the kitchen sink do you know what i mean it's it's insane 
Um, but what they did, and, and it's about taking the positive out of the, you know, out of all of this, is they used to teach us pre 9-11, and they would put a pin in that, is that if you were approached by the press, you would be told to, and it, it was called the party line, you would be told the party line, and that's what you would say, and you would lead them to the press officer, who would then continue to talk, so controlling the narrative. Post 9-11, we started having visits from people <laughs> talking to us about, instead of how to talk to the press, how to watch the news how to interpret what you're being told. Then they started introducing, you know, talks about people approaching you when, you're, you know, when you're out having a drink, you know, shark watch, they used to call it, you know, watching out for people who are up to nefarious things, trying to get information out of you. Then they moved on to um, other topics, you know, that, that started talking about, you know, if you see someone suspicious or, or, you know, all these weird and wonderful reporting procedures that were put in. But, what they had inadvertently started to do was show us how to understand what we were being fed from the news. And what I can categorically tell you is that in all of the operational deployments that I had, we always watched the news. And at the time, it was for a laugh. Because what, what was coming through the television, I mean, we were there. You know, and when this stuff was being, was being broadcast, we, we were watching it like, what the hell are these people talking about? This isn't what's going on. Yeah, it's not even remotely close to what's going on. You know, I, I, on one of one of the deployments, I was in Baghdad, and me and a group of guys were living in a compound on on the River Tigris, and we're watching Sky News in a tiny tin up, and what they were talking about wasn't even remotely close to what was actually happening in Baghdad, and they were talking about Baghdad. It was all lies, but. That was part of it, you know, that was part of the, it was just dismissed at the time as, as nonsense, you know, just, just the news trying to make a story out of nothing. Um, and then <laughs> coming back to the UK, there was obviously, you know, it's sort of East versus Western, you know, it's, it's the, the Middle East versus Western culture. You then start seeing things like one of the public ones was a thing called Operation Flak, apparently a group of Islamic terrorists had managed to get surface-to-air missiles into the UK. I'm not even joking. That was the headline. We were deployed with the police, you know, and you start working alongside the police and you start to see things like, you know, people walking along the road who, who may be swearing on the phone being dragged off to a police car because they refused to stop swearing on the phone. And so, well, what's that all about? You can't swear. Everybody swears. Oh, yeah, but it's against the law to swear. <laughs> you know, and you're like, no, it isn't. Shut up. What are you talking about? And they're like, these coppers are saying to you, it's against the law to swear. You say, well, I'm sat, I'm sat in a police car with you. You're, you're effing and jeffing with your mate. You're a copper. Or when they're speeding or all the other things they're doing, you know. And it comes under, I forget what it comes under. It's uh, ASBO, antisocial behaviour. That's, um, that's what they arrested them for. You know, it, it was unbelievable. And then, <laughs> then of course, this is all the prelude to, to, to getting hurt. Then we had um, swine flu in London, which was, you know, I, I, I caught swine flu. Me and the wife had it. And let me tell you something, it was horrific. 
it was three uh, three weeks of malaria type symptoms of sweating and being stuck in a stuck in being stuck in a bed and let me tell you something you can't just go sick in the army they don't have it mm. you know they, they they don't accept your head can be falling off and they were like right you're quarantined you know so so we'd already done a pre-rehearsal for lockdown years before <laughs> <laughs> and then and then sort of the next thing because this is pre me getting hurt was the global financial crisis now it's the reason this was such a big thing for us is because I was predominantly based in London, you know, for a lot of my time. And, you know, I came across politicians a lot. They, they factored into my work a lot, you know. Um, in fact, one of my roommates got in trouble because the building next door to the barracks used to, it's the Ministry of Justice now, um, but it used to be, I think it used to be the Home Office and he fired, he had a catapult and it's a Scottish lad. He was a bit bent out of shape about it. And Des Brown was the defense secretary at the time. And allegedly he'd been firing ball bearings at the home office from the barracks. And um, of course they put it down as somebody shooting at them to start with, but it wasn't. Um, yeah. And, and so the financial, you know, we, we saw the hustle and bustle. Um, we, we were, you know, we were as impacted as everybody else. You know, we lost, we lost money. We, you know, we we lost a house in, in in the global global financial crisis. We then did what every irrational person does and sort of looks for alternatives. And so we started. Well, I think one of the more slightly sensible things we did was we started to stack silver at the time because we were just watching everything that we had and we didn't have a lot. You know, uh, a soldier's wage is not. An incredible amount of money um, and I think one of the slogans at the time that people were trying to get us a pay rise with was that we were paid less than bin then you know um, mm. so so we, we started stacking silver and that was really the road for us you know and then moving on from there bolognese sauce I guess is a funny one <laughs> <laughs> so bolognese sauce so so you, so you know you start we, our son's born obviously 13 and 13 years and change ago. And um, one of the things that led us to Bitcoin was bolognese sauce. So it's, <laughs> we bought the jars of baby food off the shelf like everybody else. And he'd got a white bib and this, this particular brand, and I won't, I won't name and shame, but they alleged it was spaghetti bolognese mushed up for kids learning to eat. And uh, he got it down his bib. And I'll never forget that. We tried everything to get it out of his clothes. They were dyed orange. It's like, this isn't right. You know, in my life, the bolognese sauce has always been homemade. It's very rare that ever one of the brand names was used. You know, it was always homemade and never, and I'm a messy eater, even to this day, never has it been a problem to get out of clothes. But this was stained orange. My wife took that as a sign. She started preparing meals for him. He had a few uh, dietary issues as well, so it just eliminated that. Um, and also, there was a there was a cost implication. You know, these these jars of food were, you know, considerably more expensive than making the food yourself. So they, they were the key markers. I think they're they're important to to note. And then, in terms of getting hurt, so I I was deployed away. I don't. I'm going to keep it quite vague because the problem is I don't, there are other people involved in this story and I haven't spoke to them about 
discussing it. And I, what I don't want to do is, you know, uh, tread on some toes. So, so I'm deployed in the Middle East and I get hurt. I end up in a field hospital. And initially it's serious, right? But it's not life-changing serious is what I'm being told. And there was also a big Fijian man. And it, I'm going to tell this story because if no one else gets any amusement out of it, I pulled a pistol on a nurse before they took my clothes away from me because he was a big Fijian nurse and he put a rubber glove on and was quite insistent that I was having a thermometer inserted. And I was quite insistent it wasn't happening. <laughs> and given, given, given I was in an incredibly compromised position and the only thing that I could reach for was a, was a pistol, which was swiftly removed. But thankfully you know the one thing you can do in the military is uh decline any medical procedure so i was quite insistent but i had a, a doctor she came to see me and she told me that uh there was nothing wrong with it and uh what what i should do is accept the fact that it needed to happen to get my core temperature she said and i quote i spent 20 minutes running on a treadmill with one inserted That's and I said, well, that probably made a very interesting end of course photo, but I'm still not doing it. You know, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no way. Um, the rest of it's a bit patchy because then there's sort of lots of ins and outs. And then there's a, there's a flight on a Hercules, you know, home, rush to hospital, upset family, you know, all of that sort of thing. Um, and it's, it's kind of, a long, uh, a long and injured time. Now, it's not, it's been my experience, it's not until you stop and you've got time to reflect, you know, that, that, that well, it's easy to let the darkness creep in, right? You know, should I have done this? Could I have done that? You know, and this is at a time, you know, we, we lost a lot of good friends and, you know, life was hard but you never had time we weren't you never had time to grieve because it was always on to the next thing and emotions were dealt with in the boozer you know you drink you drink it away then you find yourself in a situation where you're stuck in a hospital and this isn't like a oh, broke my nose boxing you know this is a you're in here for an indeterminate amount of time but that is months you know, you don't, don't be thinking you're going anywhere. You can't communicate with people. You're isolated. And all you can do is think. You know, there's, there's, there's... and it's, it's, a, it's an interesting place to be in your own head is because we are our own worst critics, right? That's, I think that's fair to say of everybody, irrespective of background. We can always, we can always pick apart our decisions and we can always... Um, we can always do things differently, you know, and, and we're always harder on ourselves than, you know, which isn't necessarily a bad thing if you can, if you can harness that and you can, you know, you recognize it for what it is. As long as your, your demons serve you to a certain extent, then, you know, I think that you can, you can sort of model your way through life. Um, and, and that, this is, this is the point for me. This is the point because, my life changed when a medical officer came to see me and effectively told me that was it. I was done. You know, I'm, I'm no good to the army anymore. I'm being discarded like a piece of trash. You know, I'm done. Right. So 
I'm incapable of doing my job, therefore they're unwilling to help me or pay for me, right? So, so what, what they tell me is they're, they're downgrading me to a, 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 there's this thing called P7 home only, right? This is basically, apart from P0, which I believe is dead, right? Or P10, which is pregnant, you can't be any more medically downgraded. So they then tell me I've gone from, you know, being fit as a fiddle to basically useless and that my uh, limited career that's left will be spent uh, managing people stacking bl blankets in the stores, right? That's, that's the, the best I can hope for is that I'm going to be just, you know, chief sweeper upper. <laughs> and, and it was, uh, it was delivered unapolog unapologetically you know and and so mechanically you know and and the the turnaround time from being told this news to being out of the army was about three hours it was that quick and then i found myself in this position right where i'm now effectively homeless with a wife and a young child and unemployed and currently unemployable <laughs> And, you know, so, so you, you lean on the system and this is where the cracks start, right? So what, what do you do? You don't know any better. All you know is that you've grown up around people that live in a council house, right? And you've lived in a council house. So you go, okay, well, I'll get a council house. That'll sort me out. So you ring the council and go, how do, I get on the, how do I get on the list? And then they tell you that actually, irrespective of the fact I'm about to be made homeless, there's nothing they can do for me because I'm not... Um, I'm not in an eligible bracket, right? I'm disabled, I'm jobless and homeless, but actually people who are on crack cocaine who rob people to support the habit are in front of you. That was the, that was the legitimate conversation I was having is that these people were classified as vulnerable people who were doing the robbing and I wasn't even on the list. So then I contacted, or you know, like I said, been around London. So what do you do? Contact your local MP. So I contact the MP for Westminster, who says, "Oh, you know, we support we support veterans and we support this, that, and the other." I'd love. I'm really sorry. I'd love to help you, but, but your housing problem isn't in my constituency. So you need to speak to the MP who's in whose constituency that's in. So then <laughs> I get in touch with the the MP for the area I was looking to move to. And he says, I'd love to help you, but unfortunately, you don't live in my constituency. And although the housing is in my constituency, you're not. So I can't help you. And then you start to see that the system doesn't work. And the big takeaway, and, and I would offer this to anybody who's leaving the military, and the starkest lesson that people will learn leaving the military, and, it, and I'm not talking about the everyday people here. I'm not talking about friends and family and everything. It's irrespective of your service. You could have been... Uh, you know, Jack Reacher, nobody cares. It means nothing when you step out into the real world. You can have any rank, you can have achieved anything that you want, but you need to be prepared that you will be sweeping the floor in a warehouse. So, housing issue resolved in the end, um, and I can't get work because I'm an injured veteran who potentially might have mental health issues so i go to the job center that was my second mistake which is very much part of the system right 
So, so you go to the job centre expecting a job, and then you sit in the queue in the job centre and you're talking to a guy who's got vomit on himself, drinking a can of tenant super in, in the job centre. This is in the job centre, you know. And I'm like, okay, you know, this, this isn't, this this isn't working and i get to the i, th- I get to the, the the lady and she says you have to sign on for us to help you i can't even talk to you this is like some weird bureaucratic nonsense i can't even talk to you unless you signed on so then go back to the front desk and say i'd like to sign on please okay well you can't sign on because you're in receipt of uh, you know an army invalidity pension okay so i don't earn enough from my pension to even feed my child but i can't sign on because i'm in receipt of a pension so you won't talk to me because i can't complete your loop you know and it it just started to fall to pieces the the whole facade of the system and all i was seeing was excuses 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 and i ended up landing a job and i think this is probably my lowest point was I landed a job in a factory and I, and I was talking to a guy in the factory who'd operated the same machine for 24 years. He'd literally stitched the same product together, same product, 24 years. Oh, my God. And I asked him how could he do it, right? Because, because one of the things most people don't know about soldiers is that you have to be able to, you, you can think, you have to be able to think in certain circumstances, certainly in combat, you can't not be a thinker. If you can't think, you're dead. It's simple as that. And so, so here I am outside. I'm in a big wide world that I don't know. I've never been an adult outside of the military. I've had to fight tooth and nail to get a house. My pension isn't worth squat. And the best job I can get is literally the guy sweeping around the machine of the guy who's been sewing the same thing together for 24 years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that was, that was rock bottom, right? Well, one of the other things that you, you probably won't know about military personnel, and I, and I dare say it's probably true irrespective of country, all military personnel, save possibly the officers, are shit with money. Mm-hmm. Have no idea about money have no idea how it works, have no idea about, let's call it the mainstream idea about saving and getting mortgages. There'll be exceptions to that rule, but 99% of military personnel are shit with money and they bank on it, right? They literally, excuse the pun, but they bank on that. The fact that you'll get paid, you're a two-day rock star, and then you're back in the barracks. So that, that kind of brings us up to the start of it. So now I'm heavily in debt lost a house, still paying, trying to pay for that. I'm working. uh, The thing I forgot about the factory is they were going belly up and naively. I didn't know any better because my pay was supposed to be weekly and I was getting paid every six weeks and it was sporadic at best. I I sat at the, uh, sat at the dining room table talking to the missus and, and I was like, this can't, this can't be it. You know, this, this cannot be it. This isn't right. This doesn't work. You know, this military service counted for nothing. I achieved nothing. My friends are dead. I earn no money. My friends that aren't dead are either committing suicide or in a really bad place. And this, none of this makes sense. I can't put food on the table. You know, I, I'm, working, I'm working my ass off in this factory 
getting nowhere. You know, I was moonlighting as a doorman, which, by the way, I sucked at. I couldn't. I cannot read a room for for love nor money. And apologies to the chappy I hit with a chair all those years ago for no reason. All right, so yeah, I couldn't tell you his name, but I quit after that. Uh, um, yeah, so so here I am, heavily in debt, no career prospects, no nothing, and I made a concerted effort to change that. And I said, you know, it's I'm. I am worth more than this. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I have responsibilities. And irrespective of how I feel, I'm going to change this and I'm going to make it work. And I'm watching on the telly. I'm watching on the telly. I remember it. So this is around about 2012. So I'm, I'm watching people talking about the, the Mayan doomsday prophecy right it was on the news i couldn't believe it. i thought what a load of shit why are we talking about this but people were panic buying right people were panic buying about this stuff and uh i was introduced to at the time a youtube series about money and debt and i can't tell you the name of it for the life i want to say it's something like money is debt or something like that i know there's a one called that but uh i started to watch it and and learning about fiat didn't exist Right, it was like, holy shit, my entire life has been a lie. Right, everything I thought I knew, you know, I'd go to the, go to the hole in the wall and all these little rectangles with the queen's head on, you know, that's 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 the bedrock. Of, you know, I can go anywhere with this. And 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 in those short videos, this guy's talking to me about how money's made out, of, or currency's made out of thin air. It means nothing, you know, <laughs> and. I can't tell you how much it it shook me to the core. You know, it, it it frightened me to say one day somebody can turn this off. You know, we'd seen all the problems in 2008. You know, I'd seen I'd seen the news and I was watching the European Union eat itself internally and and, and all of this stuff. Well, of course, I've just fell down the first rabbit hole, right? I've just fell down this. Somebody, somebody's just pulled the rug from under my feet. So what do I do? I go back into soldier mode. Right. So what do, what do I need? Right. I need to make sure that we've got uh, shelter and we've got food and we've got, you know. <laughs> so so we, I go down, go downtown, go to the local flea market and I buy shelf racking. I mean, pucker, screw it to the wall, mount the shelves on the wall. And me and the wife. Every time we go shopping, we buy some extra food, right? We're buying extra food and we're putting it on the shelf. And we're, we're watching the news. And now I'm watching Bloomberg, right? I'd never bloody watched this stuff in my life. And I'm, I'm watching the currencies fluctuate and they're going all over the place. And still, I don't understand it. All I know is it's not worth anything. And if people figure out that this, is, this isn't worth the paper it's printed on, I'm back in Bosnia. But instead... That it's Bosnia, England, right? This is this this is going to be really, really bad. So I start talking to people that I know and saying, "Did you know money doesn't mean anything? Did you know that you know what? Are you? Oh, don't be silly. You know, my family and ha- I'd like to caveat this. And my brother will be listening to this when you put it out. Will be like, <laughs> he does not shut up about this. So he has apologised in the past, but they ridiculed me. They were like, what do you mean money's not worth anything? Why are you buying all these tins? What's wrong with you? You know, you're like, have you missed this? Because I've missed this. Let me show you. But this is where the system programs people really well. 
is that if you deviate from the narrative, what, you don't have a Facebook? Oh, well, you're a weirdo. You know, like we don't have a telly at home. We don't have a telly at all. And when people hear that we don't have a telly, they're like, what's wrong with you? You know, why don't you have a telly? Because we don't agree with the crap that's being pumped out to our kids. So we don't have one. It's personal preference, right? But you've got a second head if you don't have a telly. Mm -hmm. And like the homeschooling thing. And we're nearly at the point of homeschooling, right? So this is what I've realized. (laughs) We haven't got the freedom that I thought I was defending. I've got no money. I've got no money. Currency isn't worth shit. The police can't do their job, right? And start because you start looking at all these things and you go, okay, well, the police is, let's call it success rate, ironically, is poor, you know, and we live in a deprived area in a council house now. And our eldest has now started going to school. We're 2014. We've now got two children, right? One's in play school and the youngest is in, uh, the eldest is in primary school, right? Then we start seeing things on the telly like soon you're not going to be able to give your kid a chocolate bar or a packet of crisps in school because other people's kids are fat. And if you do, and if you do, you're going to get fined. So it's just like, okay, I'm incensed now. And big chunks of the system are falling out for me. They're huge. They're falling out. And my wife is the one who deserves the credit for the homeschooling thing because I, in my, and I'm happy to put my hands up to this, you know, in my completely programmed state was like, no, he'll be a, he'll be a social pariah. He can't homeschool him. He'll have no friends. Every, every excuse that you hear as somebody who homeschools, I provided that to my wife, but the difference is that so, 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 my wife works on feelings, right? She might be right, but she'll say, I've got a feeling. I'm data-driven. If you show me the evidence, I'll change, you know, if you show me something's true, show me the evidence, if you give me a route to investigate that, I will completely change my position. No issue with that. I'd rather, you know, and she did. And to, to her credit, she, she went down this road of, Let's let's get let's get my idiot husband to understand what I'm trying to explain to him, <laughs> and and she was right. You know, and, and and again, that's one of the things I'll have to apologise forever for. You know, <laughs> um, but it was because the school started doing stuff like, and then these are straight up incidents that happened as the years sort of clocked on. Uh, your your child is required to attend a uh, performance at twenty hundred hours at the school. You will pay for that. You will pay for the costumes. You will ensure your child is there. But hang on a minute, that's eight o'clock at night. And at the bottom of the letter, it says because there are other parents who can't make it. Okay, that's fine. I understand that. But the school does not mandate mandate what happens outside of school hours. You know, it's not how this game works. You're there to educate. I'm there to parent. What, what, what are you playing at? You don't get to dictate my life as well. We then had, we actually had the crisps and chocolate incident. So I, I went and spoke to the teacher, the headmaster, or headmistress, should I say. And, and I said to her, can you, uh, can you point me to the doctor or the dietitian that says that my perfectly healthy children can't have a bag of crisps in their packed lunch? You know, you're not accepting your fine. You don't have permission to, you know, to consult people 
on their behalf about their dietary habits. And it's like, yeah, but it's not about your kids. It's about the other kids. It has, you know, oh, so we're doing blanket punishment. No, no, that's not what it is. It's not that. Well, what is it then? You know, and there's no answer because they're just following the system. And then you look at not being able to take your children out of school for a holiday. Well, why not? You'd book a holiday when they're at work. When your children are old enough to work, they book a holiday when they want to book a holiday. And with exceptional reasons, they may not be able to, or contractual reasons. But if they want a holiday in you know, mid-September, they'll book one. So what, what's different about school? And there was, there was a myriad of these things. And you know, along with the evidence that my wife had proposed, I read it and I looked at it and she was, she was bang on the money. So that was it. Kids out of school. And wow, what an experience that was. You know, we, <laughs> we sent the letter. We had the school phoning up, the education board, people trying to come around for visits, all sorts of things, you know. Um, and in the background, and so, so I need to timeline this. I mean, we properly, I don't know how else to put it, but saw our ass with the system. So we, we were like, right, okay, we're... What alternatives do we have? We need to, we, we're looking at bartering. We're looking at, um, you know, we're looking at options. So cryptocurrencies in general was where it started for me. And I think a lot of people go down that, that sort of route, you know. Um, so it wasn't just Bitcoin, you know, that, that I started on. And it was, it was silver. But, you know, like all... Yeah. I mean, I like, I know some gold bugs, right? And I, and I like those guys and I get why they don't want to move. And I do business with some of those guys. So, you know, I have to, if I want to do business with them, I have to hold some precious metals, you know. I'm, but I keep saying to them, you can't transfer that, uh, you know, internationally without somebody knowing and at great expense. It's, you know, so it has its applications, but they're just not, I mean, they're Bitcoiners. They're 99% Bitcoiners. They just haven't realized it yet. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of my take on it. But, um, you know, I managed to get my career on track, paid down a load of debts. I, I you know, I, I worked my way through the fluff and all of the, the sort of YouTube bullshit financial experts that don't know what they're talking about, you know. Um, and I've, I found systems that work for us. And so, so the kids are out of school we're getting alternative means of money. We're on the food train and we're pulling the kids out. You know, we're, we're doing everything. And that started 2013. And that was off the back of getting injured. And I'm sorry, that was long-winded. And <laughs> No, man, there's so much to pull on there. That was, I, I was more than happy to let you go. Uh, that That's definitely the longest monologue uh, on, on the Once Bitten podcast. So, Wow. All right. <laughs> where, where do I want to start with uh, pulling pulling apart on, on some of that? Um, hmm. Military recruitment. Okay. Let, let, let's go there. Um, how much does that sicken you now when you see through what's going on, especially what's being pumped at us through the news and especially what's being pumped at us through uh, either social media or entertainment? TV shows or uh, movies. What what can you say to to young men that might be listening to this? That um, you, you, know, you, you, you yeah, I, I've got something and I do it all the time. So yeah. so I guess there's a couple of messages. The first one is to to my fellow veterans. I don't 
hate my time in the army. I don't hate that. And I don't hate the people who've done it. What I hate is what people, that system is being abused. It's been my experience that everybody that I came across in the military, whilst misguided, were good people, genuinely meant well and genuinely believed in protecting people. And that stands for me because I could, I spend my time convincing military and ex-military people about freedom because it's their definition of freedom that's wrong. What I would say to the people thinking about joining any form of military is don't. You have a choice, right? You could you you think you know, right? And I've been that, you know, I've been that teenager full of spit and vinegar who knows better. I know that guy, right? <laughs> the moment you go in that careers office, he's dead. Right. You've killed him. Whether that's whether that's physically because you there is just some things you can't walk off, or whether that's mentally because you never leave as the same person you join as right that that's just the truth you do not you know you you there are some things in life you cannot unsee and there are some things in life you cannot undo and i with the exception of a few people do not believe in this day and age that you don't have a different choice a better choice because even if you want to argue perks right so and this is it's a fun story I, I used to work in an engineering department for a large supermarket chain here and i deliberately set our recruitment stall up for apprentices neck in a school next to the armed forces recruitment and outdid them every turn i'm i am unapologetic about my position and i i was next to them and said well you know those guys are paying 16 grand a year we're paying you 21 you know, you have to leave home. You have to commit to fight. You have to do these things. You can't, when you leave, you're still tied to it. You're still under contract. You just move on to the reserve list. You, if you do the minimum time, which I think is four years now, it might be five in the army, at least. I know the RAF and the Navy do slightly different terms, but you've still got to wait out your 22. You're on the reserve list until, you know, your, your retirement age, like reserve list one. And then I think you move to reserve list two, which is 55 and onwards. Right. So, so you are forever bound by that. And you owe these people nothing. You owe these, they've failed you in school. They've failed your parents. They've failed you outside of school. These people are not the change you're looking for. They're going to use you like a drug dealer would use a child for county lines drug dealing. You are being used. There's no other way to put it. And by that, you mean the state? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Do not join the military. You can go any other route and just be better off. Oh, man. It's um, how did they get you? Oh, well, that was easy. I come from uh, both sides of my family, you know, ha the, the military personnel, poor demographic. You know, I, I just, I ticked every box, right? I was an easy sell. I mm -hmm. idolized the, the, the men in my life that, that, of which there were, so there wasn't any female role models in my life. You know, that, that, so there was no mum, there was no none of that. It was uh, dad, brothers, uncles, that situation and what were you watching when you were growing up i'm guessing we're probably around the same age oh i saw all mate muscle muscle movies 80s action you know yeah 
<laughs> that, but that exactly. wasn't that wasn't the sell for me. That wasn't they. They were kind of culturally they weren't close to what I was living. Right, so I lived in a a shithole. So they they from from a I mean don't get me wrong, things like Predator were entertaining, but they weren't. Um, you know, those guys were Americans, right? Which was just, just unreal. I lived in this little microcosm of, of of council estate. You know, it was when you when you know when you picture a shit council estate, whatever that looks like in your mind's eye, that's where I lived. That's what it was. It was there was you know rubbish on the floor and crazy cat ladies with shopping trolleys and you know the park had junky needles and burnt out cars and. You know, there was tire prints everywhere. You know, it was, it, that, that's what we're talking about. You know, the houses that weren't lived in had the steel grates on them. You know, that's, that, was, that, was the, that was the nature of things. So then you see, you, you hear the stories from people who'd been, you know, in the military. And like some of them, it, it was all, yeah, do you know what? Made me the man I am, you know, and all this sort yeah. of thing. You think, well, I've got no direction. Right? I've got. I can go and do the local IT class, but the guy who's teaching that, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't speak to me because he hasn't, he isn't in a shit area that every time he goes out, someone's going to try and take his trains. You know, he's, he's been to college and university and, you know, he doesn't understand where I come from. But then you meet the guy in the careers office and guess what? He's from a shithole too. You know, and, and you talk to him and he goes, well, you know, I get paid well and I'm out of that place and, you know, I get to see the world and I've been skiing here and I've done that there. And what you don't know, the bit that you don't know is that he's doing recruiting because he's so emotionally battered mm-hmm. that he can't do anything else or that he's physically broken, but useful enough to go and speak to people about how wonderful it is in the army. That's the difference. What and about the guys that you met in the army that, that weren't from your kind of background like uh more oh middle you mean the class office. or mean, yeah no they were just the officers just they, the officers right the officers. okay so, 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 so it's a different recruitment plan for these guys then yeah absolutely so, so right where I, okay where i was you you if you had a gcse you were clever right you right <laughs> you you you'd, you'd stuck school out the officers they'd all got degrees in something those guys were you know, and, and looking back on it now, you know, those, those guys at the time were like, met, they were Mensa candidates to us because they, they could talk about Keats and they could talk about all, all of this old poetry and stuff, not just Shakespeare, you know, not GCSE Shakespeare. These guys knew history. And so they what were they getting stuff. sold on? That, that's what I can't kind of understand. Well, quite, it, 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 it depends. So I know that some of them, I mean, they all came from money and we're not talking a little bit of money. We're talking big money. You know, I'll give you an example because he's dead. So the, the uh, George family used to own Weetabix and Richard George, he, 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 um, he, was, he was in the army as an officer because that was the done thing. If you wanted to in, inherit the family fortune, and don't forget, it's an old boys' network as well. The officers mm. is an old boys' network. So it's one of those things like, oh, I've been to Eton, you know, I was an officer in the army, and now I'm CEO of a private equity firm, you know, whatever. That's, they're the stages, you know? So they, they, a lot of those guys do it as, a, as an accolade, right? It furthers their career. So, so that's, that's, 
that's the trade-off you know for the rest of us it's in it's in out and hopefully if you you know i forget because my what i would say is i didn't listen to my dad he he he's a soldier and he was he said don't do it don't do it it's the stupidest thing you can do you're too smart go and do something else and i didn't listen i didn't listen because i couldn't see any options in front of me and it, it just didn't it didn't work it didn't work in my head you know here's my dad he's this strong guy you know he's successful you know and when he's talking to you know his military buddies you know they're 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 like they're family they're brothers you know they're they're some there's something else that's you know you can't touch that it's intangible that whatever it was and they never had a bad word to say about it and then the paradox was don't do it shit <laughs> so, so it didn't work for me you know uh, and 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 obviously i did and uh, yeah so, so, so what what one of the last thing probably uh, on the military here um because you you did touch on 911 um and you talked about birthday, the news by the way no way okay yeah and <laughs> and a fun fun fact when it happened because everybody knows where they were right hmm. so i was in hospital because i've been shot <laughs> <laughs> I, watched, I watched it happen on a TV screen after having surgery from being shot. <laughs> Where were you shot? In the hand. <laughs> so it's not as, it's not as, uh, I, was, I was about to come on to that. Yeah, it wasn't as awesome as. How, did, yeah. you manage, how did that happen? Were, were you, were you. Um, no, I wasn't in, deployed. In... Let's call that one horseplay and leave it there because I might get someone else in trouble. <laughs> but uh, you know who you are. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> right. Okay. So that happens. Yeah. Um, you're laid up in hospital watching that go down. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts? Um, so initially, like, I, I, I saw the first plane strike and, and, you know, that was being played back. And then the second one hit. T to be honest, to start with, I was to i was on a lot of painkillers right? so, right. so so until, it wasn't until we got out of hospital and soldiers have the most offensive sense of humor you know i mean like nothing's off the table it is ironically the epitome of free speech they <laughs> will say anything and they'll do it to you know for comedic effect or they'll do it for provocation or, or any, anything i mean it's literally the most it's it's spicy stuff right and I'll, i'm not going to repeat some of it <laughs> i'm not going to repeat it on here but um what what i thought about it and let me tell you what i thought i didn't know what a muslim was really i had no idea i if you'd have said to me point on a map where iraq is i could have told you that in 1991 there was a load of guys over there i didn't know bugger all about it i i knew nothing about the arabic world even remotely and I just, I just sort of had this disbelief that, that you could steal, you know, I'd been on a lot of flights and I was like, well, even the military flights, right. Where you're going on armed, you know, there's a, there's a lot of occasions where you can get onto a, a Hercules and you're, you're armed. Right. And they're rigid. And interestingly enough at Bryce Norton, and if you ever get the opportunity to go, it's worth just for the look in there. Um, in their departures lounge they have got 
the best collection of contraband in glass cases you've ever seen in your life. We're talking, we're talking like medieval shit. There's there's knuckle dusters with spikes and a like a bayonet on the end of it. And these are genuine things that the RAF have confiscated off of trained soldiers who were taking them on deployment. You know, you're like, what kind of crazy ass? Well, where did you get that from? You know? Um, so 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 the, the 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 thoughts for me were my initial thought is how the hell did you hijack a plane? Not just a plane, several planes. You know, there was, there was one in a field, one in the Pentagon, two in, you know, the, 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 the towers. It was like this. All I'd say is, and I'd say I don't want to go down another rabbit hole here, is that if it walks like a duck, right? Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where I'm going to leave that one because there, there, there are things, you know, that, I think that it may be 50 years or, or, or longer are going to come out in the wash that some of that is ropey, you know, as fuck. Yes. There's no, there's no, you can't do it. It's, it's, it's complete BS that some guys in, you know, a couple of guys in, in, in traditional Arabic dress don't look suspicious as fuck getting onto a plane, let alone a load of planes at the same time and managed to hijack them all. Mm. All right. Yeah. With box sold, cutters. Yeah, exactly. You've sold me. Yeah. The, the America that has, you know, like a bazillion firearms per person. <laughs> you know, you've got grannies carrying them around with the lipsticks, right? They've got little derringers. I'm not having it. It's just, it's just a nonsense. It's farcical to me that there isn't a firearm, even a flare gun, right? <laughs> you could have <laughs> shot them with a flare gun on the plane. But uh, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just, yeah, so my first thought was what a load of old shit. But um, you know, it was it was pretty well, it was pretty well hyped up, you know. And and but don't forget that, that for it's hard to be objective when you start deploying to places and your friends are getting killed. Mm-hmm. You know, you start to because you the sides of a fence, right? You you guys are on teams. That's how it works. So we're one team, they're they're another team, right? If you want to boil it down to that, when they start killing your friends, it's personal. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's the that's the narrative they're the bad guys then you know that's that's that forget the politics forget why you're there forget everything else mm-hmm. you know and yeah. look how many people they managed to recruit yes well this is the point isn't it you know that <sighs> propaganda because let's call it by its proper name that's what it is it's propaganda yep. you are you are propagandizing war and actually, I mean, like my position as a soldier was, was quite black and white. I didn't care about the politics. In fact, I've maintained my entire life and I was never able as a young man to put my finger on it. I hate politicians and estate agents. <laughs> and <laughs> politicians, estate agents, solicitors or lawyers, if you're in America and, um, you know, door-to-door salesman, right? And there was never, I could never put my finger on what, they, they, they were all slimy bastards to me. And I could never, never, as a younger man, I could never put my finger on it. But, but like, remind me, and I'll tell you a story about me taking a politician hostage in London. Um, but that's, yeah, <laughs> when I was based in London, I'll tell you about it. It's a little short quip, that one is. Um, but I, I, couldn't put my finger on it until I realized that they all lie for a profession. That's what they're paid to. They're paid liars, you know, and and, and I know it might sound simple, you know, being over 40, but as a young man from a council estate with a very narrow 
group of friends and we when we weren't deployed we were in the pub right so that was what we did we drank and we fought and did all those things so you never really expand that pool and it's too it's not until you're outside of it so yeah that's um i've kind of lost where i'm going with this that's the only thing now that's okay. I was gonna, I was gonna move on anyway, and I was gonna actually ask um, that TV documentary. Maybe it was the Hidden Secrets of Money, the Mike Maloney TV That's series. That's it. That right, may okay. well be it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people attribute their original dive down a rabbit hole, whether they knew it or not at the time, um, to this this documentary series. Uh, so it's definitely worth a rewatch or a first watch for those listening. Um, yeah, again, like we said at the beginning, it's weird how you have these touch points. And then when you do start going down the rabbit hole, you can kind of like connect those dots back uh, to what's happened in a past life. And that can help you project your future thoughts around Bitcoin, sound money, Austrian economics, whatever you want to, um, you know, wh whatever route you want to take, because they're also intellectually stimulating at the same time. Um but let, let, let's talk about why you decided then uh, bollocks to Google, bollocks to social media, uh, try and be as private as you can. Okay, so so that, that's really easy for me. So so once you start seeing, so so I watched, uh, so, so when you look at 2000, you know, the 2008 business and you look at um gordon brown selling off the gold reserves and on all this stuff i'd spent my life watching people lie bareface lie to me on the television all the time and not paid an iota of attention now i'm paying attention right and I'm, and it's a simple simple question right if they're prepared to lie to me and when i say they i mean corporations and the government specifically if they're prepared to lie to me about the little stuff what else are they lying to me about and then you go right do you know what I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just blindly ticking except anymore. I'm now looking, right? Because I know that, you know, Zuckerberg's talking to people and he's, he's lobbying people for the bits that he needs. And we've got people standing up in parliament here. And, and, and one of, you know, I'm watching this. All of a sudden, parliament's now pantomime to me. Oh, the, yeah, the, completely. The, the, the words Total are irrelevant. Theater. Yeah, yeah. The, the it, words it, are irrelevant. What they're doing is they're going, oh, no, you didn't. Oh yeah. yes, you did. Everything Literally else, that. Yeah, everything else is everything else is inconsequential, right? It's 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 traditional pantomime. So then, when I start hearing stuff, I start fact checking it. Right, okay, well, uh, what's weird about it, this? It's, it's so much pantomime. You've even got men dressed as ladies in there. That's right. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. You know. Uh, uh, so then, you start speaking to other people about this stuff, and and the, you know most people are apathetic at best and then brush you off as a weirdo or they out and out brush you off as a weirdo. Why are you even looking at that? What's the point? You know, just go back to your 24 years service on the machine. You know, <laughs> don't be a bad worker, be just carry on being a good little drone. Like what the hell is going on here? And it was, do you ever see the movie? They live. No. Right. So watch they live. It is the, crappiest movie you'll ever watch in terms of film it's got rowdy roddy piper in it right that's everything you need to know right so we've got a wrestler a canadian wrestler here doing his absolute best to act and it's awful but the movie itself has a really really interesting premise 
So had it, and I'm I'm adamant that and I, the, the name of the director escapes me, but I'm adamant that he wanted to tell a more serious tale, but probably for fear of death, right? <laughs> Didn't, but effectively, um, the, the the world is being run by aliens, and I'm not proposing that as real life. But he, there's there's his special glasses, right, in the movie, and he puts them on, and he can see everything for what it really is. And I felt like I'd put a pair of glasses on and all I could see was shit bags and liars everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've tried to keep that, so, so you cherry pick the things that are good to you, right. Is I, I have maintained a moral compass right? and I refuse to, and when you speak to Simon next, he'll tell you, cause I've got a funny work related story. You might enjoy one of our, first exchanges was me tearing strips off a communist who was advocating more laws but yeah uh, that's i mean I, anyway because i don't sit on the fence I, I i don't but yeah i i felt like i'd put those glasses on and now i could see the world for this this thing this beast this this ridiculous everything was there to control me and almost i guess like the truman show i then became a little bit paranoid right so I start reading the terms and conditions on Google and, and you look at their terms and conditions, and you go, what? So you, you effectively own everything that I save to you. You're quite happy to admit that, you know, you can and will basically shadow copy and keep a record of everything that I've ever done. You know, obviously for, you know, uh, legal reasons or whatever BS term they put in there, it was, I forget what it was, but even if I delete it, it's still in their service. You know, it's the same with Facebook. You know, I don't have a I don't have a problem with people seeing a picture of me on social media. I don't have a problem with talking to people, and you know, them knowing who I am. Because apart from some funny stories and completely falling out out of the reservation, you know, because I, I, I would consider myself as out of the reservation as you can be for being inside of a state. You know, and I'm still working on ways to get further out, believe me. Um, I start looking at all this stuff and it's not just Google. It's your home. It, it, it's the people providing your internet. It's your gas bill. It's the water people. It's everywhere. And you start looking at the terms and conditions. You're, hard, you're making me pay an inflated price to use your service. And then you're selling my metadata that you've harvested without, you know, because I'm an idiot and just said, yeah, blindly accept. Then you're handing it over to third-party organisations that are government-funded, because that's where that's where the government gets around this. And and there's, I I have an experience, um, you know, with people like GCHQ, and I don't want to get into that. But the the point being is that the way the government gets around things is the same way companies get around these things. They say, well, the government would never deliberately harvest your data. Okay, mm-hmm. no, they don't. But what they do and I know this for a fact, is pay companies to do it on their behalf and then send them, sell them that information because they haven't broke the law. Every phone call in this country is recorded. Every phone call in the UK is recorded. And one of the fun things you can do, and I wanted to touch on this and then just bouncing back to military days because this was another key point that I've missed, but we had a, with the, what, what I've described as the Muslim problem. We had a briefing. We were called to the gymnasium, right? So you've got the whole, the whole battalion are in the gymnasium, right? Which is around about a thousand men. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all sat on chairs and we get, uh, so there's a group of people, they're from a place called Army Legal. 
and they're accompanied by somebody from MI5, right? And they start talking to us about two things. And this, this is quite important. The Terrorism Act 2000, which was a temporary law that gave the government powers to detain people if effectively without reasonable cause for as long as they wanted. And I think it was capped, then they said 24 days or something before um, it had to be reviewed. But that was in the UK, right? When you were deployed, you could hold somebody, anybody, right? indefinitely right under the terrorism act you just just make these people disappear right that was a that was a thing and the second thing that we were briefed about was digital technology now we're talking about the nokia 3310 being a new phone right and that was the example that was used so the nokia 3310 they and we were told unequivocally that whenever you were to go to a mission brief in the future because of this you know, this issue and, and the government not being able to keep up with how quickly tech was advancing was that you could not take any electronic devices in there. And they gave us a presentation to tell us that, that and they, MI5, right, they, the government, you know, all of those bodies, right, could get into a phone whilst it was powered off and could listen to a conversation on a Nokia 3310 whilst making it appear to be turned off. So you could have it switched off. No, no different, right? Now, call call me a little bit paranoid, but isn't it isn't it funny how phones can't take the batteries out of them now? Because the only way you couldn't do that was if the battery was taken out of it. Isn't that an inter- isn't that an interesting thing to think about? That you can't you you know uh, you can't take the battery out of your phone anymore. Why did they stop doing that? Because actually it makes the phone easier to recycle if you can take the battery out of it. So it's not because they care about the planet, but I won't get, you know. It, no, never have. Yeah, exactly. Never right. will. So, yep. But yep. they will gaslight us into caring about the planet. And that's right. Believing okay. that they can change the weather. But, you know. Well, again. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, the amount of discussions that I have with people and I say, are you effing serious that you think cow farts are destroying the planet? But it's, <laughs> but it's, but it's okay to strip mine for electric cars. Are you insane? You know, you're going to, of course the climate's changing. You've just changed the name from global warming because you couldn't prove it. So now you just say climate change. Well, of course it's changing. You idiot. Anyway, I don't, <laughs> I, I got, I got, I got days of ranting on that, but um, yes. So I wanted to make that point that it was interesting back then in the early noughties that they were talking about being able to access. Uh, I forget all of the stuff they could do on PCs and all the rest of it, but it was mm-hmm. hi- hyper invasive. Funnily enough, when when this airs, the the guy that I've interviewed you uh, before you um, has designed a way to for plebs to download an eSIM on their card and pay via uh, Bitcoin or Lightning. So you get a completely um, private number, which uh, cannot be tracked because he used to work deep in uh, the telecommunications uh, field. And uh, the, the, the first thing he told me was uh, like the SIM card can be accessed at any point by the telecommunications company and your phone can literally be controlled by them it can make a call on your behalf without you even knowing without your phone showing anything it can listen to a phone call that you're having without you even knowing 
and it can just tune in if it's sat next to you on the desk without you even knowing, obviously, and just yep. uh, listen to the conversation that you're having. Uh, so a- there is a solution out there, and it's a Bitcoin solution. So that's great. You, you know, I'm in. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll make sure. <laughs> well, it's called silent. So go to silent.link. Yeah. Um, and yeah, go have a look. Uh, but like all of this shit now is just um, blowing my mind because, like you, I, I just waltzed through life. Uh, you know, how old were we when we started getting exposed to email and internet banking and all of that kind of stuff? Probably. Well, I can tell you that I was a I was an adult, right? So I was yeah. probably mid twenties, mid twenties, thirties, right? Yeah, yeah. something something mm-hmm. like that. And and it's completely different for you know. I mean, my son says, "Dad, you're so old." You know, mm-hmm. you you were alive before the internet. You know, and that's yep. like a, it's a huge milestone. For, he's thirteen. He's never known anything different. Yep. And but what this taught me is that trust nothing. Right. So, mm. so what I would say is one of the fun games, and I always encourage people to do this, is if you really, really want to mess with a telephone network, when you, because they're all being recorded, right? These things, it's fully automated. They're listening for keywords on conversations, right? Just, just have a conversation with your mate. How you doing, mate? How's it going? Bomb Al Qaeda, three o'clock. Yeah, I'll see you at the football match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, <laughs> it'll trigger the system and it'll, it'll flag it, right? It's one of those things. So, the, 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 the military monitoring system will be going haywire with people going, what the hell? He's talking about Sainsbury's and he's randomly talking about assault rifles or, or not this guy again. You know, just, just, you know, it's so, it's so pervasive and invasive. And that's what I found. So, so for example, on this, the, the computer stuff, I don't run Windows. I don't agree with their terms and conditions. We use Linux in the house. My phone is an Android phone with a unique operating system. We have a home network that's built for privacy. We, um, you know, when I say we, I'm talking about me and the kids. My wife is all over social media and Google. Mm-hmm. But that's freedom of choice, right? She knows the mm-hmm. risks. She knows the, you know, the, the, the consequences of using that. And that, that's freedom of choice. So she, she likes that stuff and, you know, she's, she's into it. So yeah, we, we just don't do it. Me and the kids don't do it. It's not our thing. Um, but I guess uh, at some stage we should probably talk a little bit about Bitcoin uh, because uh, as promised, like you, your stories have been, you know, fascinating. Uh, so you, you've had this lead up, you've had all of these touch points. Um, you were doing, uh, you've gone like the classic journey of uh, food prepping, stacking silver, um yeah my, yeah you, you fell down the, the food rabbit hole as well so like yeah uh, with the bolognese sauce you've exposed the uh the uh the fast moving consumer good industry for the disgrace that it is and the yep. poison that we get sold uh and even your weedabix man right i mean yeah. sitting on a sitting on a fortune uh, unfortunately you know the the, the person you referenced um he died of old age. The, yeah, so, so he, he died of old age. I'm using him right. as an example because the George family have sold. Weetabix is, is, is owned by, um, uh, I think it's owned by the, uh, an American private investment firm again now. It flits mm. between Chinese, American, and Indian. They kind of, these big investment firms move it around as part of their portfolio. How do you sweep dust up off of the floor, package it, and sell it to people with the royal seal of approval on it? And even convince people 
that one is edible and two it's good for you well it, look i work in fast i work in an even more offensive fast moving consumer goods and i i can't name the company obviously but mm. but people say to me oh what does it taste like and i say it tastes like communism but <laughs> But I'll come on to that because let's let's let me help you get to Bitcoin, right? Yeah. So so moving away from uh, moving away from just blindly accepting terms and conditions and stuff, and understanding that money isn't worth a toss, right? That there's a fee that's no good. You can't you can't email somebody a bar of silver, right, or silver coins. Mm-hmm. So you need you start looking, right? So so then I stumble across crypto, and the first thing. The first thing that I see is an inflammatory article. You know, um, I don't know, let's point a finger at somebody like MSNBC or CNN or, you know, I don't know. So, so one of those guys, right, it's an American one. And it, it, the headline was, you know, Bitcoin for, for drug dealers and pedophiles. And I was like, right, OK. So you're telling me it's bad. So let's do the double speak here and go, you don't want me to use this because you can't control it. That's what you're telling me. So I click on I click on it and you know it's Bitcoin bad, shit coins good, right? Because <laughs> basically the ones that can be seen are good, the ones that can't be you know controlled are are bad, and the only drug dealers and pedophiles would use it. So obviously being neither of those things, so I started looking into it and went right. Well, I don't really understand Bitcoin, but what I do know, and I spoke to a few a few friends of mine who. Um, one of them does cryptography for a hobby. I know that sounds insanely dry, but if you knew him, you'd think, well, yeah, I can see why you do this. Um, you know, he's a bit, he's a bit that way. And he, he was, he just started chirping. You know, he was like, this is amazing. You know, I love it. Blah, blah, blah. I said, right. Okay. I just need to know that this works and, it's a medium of exchange that somebody else on the other side of the planet will take. And then of course I get the whole, yeah. And nobody can control it. And, and, and so, okay, fine. I'm in. So I bought some and I, I bought some other, you know, again, naive. I bought some other cryptocurrencies <laughs> and what do you do? I've got no one to learn from. Right. So I'm, I'm literally using a weirdo who does cryptography. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I know he's going to be listening to this when you put it out, so I apologise, but you are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, who's into cryptography. And there was, uh, he was chasing some, there's an image or some weird group put something out some time ago and it's like a picture and then find the next clue and go somewhere else in the world. And I don't know, not my thing. It was all buzzed about that as well. But then it's a case of where can I spend it, Right. Right, and now I've got this. I've got this Bitcoin, and I've got this other stuff. But where can I spend it, right? Because the only people I know who've got it are buying and selling it and treating it like a stock or a share or something like that. And they're trying to make a profit basically by whole, you know, buying it low, selling it high. Like, mm-hmm. well, this is no good to me. <laughs> you know, it's no good because what I want to do is actually use it for its intended purpose. Here, I want to, I want to buy stuff. So then I'm then I'm being a bit of a weirdo and I'm going into you know forums and threads anonymously saying you know hey guys does anybody know where I can buy coffee and I'm using coffee specifically uh, in this because I did find a guy who I bought coffee from in the US 
and it was genuinely coffee. But in the threads, they're all like, oh, yeah, coffee. <laughs> you know, sniffy face. <laughs> you want some you want some coffee, do you? I'm sure somebody locally could sell you some coffee. <laughs> so yeah, it was quite amusing. But um, it then took us down this, you know, this this, this whole Bitcoin thing. And, uh, and I'm sorry, I've got to say crypto again, because at the time it was. Where can I where can I shop? Because it's hard, right? So you're holding this stuff and you can't shop it anywhere. And I'm not so, so I've skipped a large amount of time here, but we can always go back. But I uh, then start working in my current employment, right? I've got all I've got all these different cryptocurrencies, and I meet a chap called Dean. So big shout out to Dean. Um, I like to refer to him as Crypto Dean. He's a he's a complete gambler and uh, yeah. <laughs> by his own, by, yeah, yeah. By his own by his own admissions, probably did way too much LSD and drugs in the nineties, right? So he's uh, <laughs> he's a pretty cool cat, right? So we get talking, and then COVID strikes, and I'm in the background finding all of these different companies and people that I'm trying to use Bitcoin with, right? <laughs> it's getting nowhere and. Um, in the office. So this is the weird thing in the office where I worked at the time. So me and D Dean is off the reservation, right? And so we have these weird and wonderful conversations and you come up with this idea, right? So I'll buy the pizzas with Fiat and everybody will pay me in crypto. So Bitcoin was used, Litecoin was used, Algo was used, you know, people would just pay me with whatever. And there's another chap, I've got to give a shout out to a chap called Graham. I love that guy. You know, he, he, when we first met, he was very much inside the system. Graham is a convert. You know, he's, mm -hmm. he has seen the light, right? But he's seen it hard and fast and he's done it in 18 months. <laughs> he's or 18 months or less, right? So then all of a sudden we're playing this game, right? So who's going to buy the next takeaway? get it delivered to our reception and we're all going to pay them in. It was like, it was like a crazy free market, right? So it was people were offering to pay in silver. People, 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 people were just paying with everything except for fear, except for fear. You could, you, you'd have been looked like, looked at like a piece of shit on someone's shoe. If you'd have tried to pay in anything else, if you tried to pay in fear and not something else, it was insane. We did that for 12 months. In the meantime, in the background, me and the wife uh, looked at all these different shops and we generally won't use supermarkets and stuff like that. We've, we fell out of that and we fell out of it not because of the fact that they're selling shit goods to you, not because they artificially create shortages and actually if you look around to non-chain stores, it's not an issue but because we fell across this simple thing. Don't tell me about your politics. Don't tell me about what you believe. Tell me why I should buy your product. Tell me why your product's better than the next guy's product. And if I use it and it is, we'll use you. Tell me that you're not taking the piss. Mm. It's, not, it's not, too much of a, not too much of an ask. And we actually have a genuine shit list, right? So we have um, Gillette's on the shit list. Because yep. they, they, they stopped telling people how good their razors were, right? And they started talking about toxic masculinity. Okay, right, okay. I, I, you know, if I wanted to hear your politics, I, I would 
you know, come to you about politics, but I wanted to know about your raises. So I found an alternative, you know, um, and, and what I would say is that the, the, shave, the shaving alternative is I've got about 50 years worth of razors and it takes up about the same space as, oh, let's do, let's do it in old money and new money. So if you said 20 centimetres by five centimetres by 30 centimetres high, and it cost me, I think it's about a penny a blade. It's ridiculously cheap mm-hmm. and, it, and it works. And it, you know, you know so, so my point is Gillette's lost my business forever. Mm-hmm. And if I could only, and what I do now is I go around and, and Simon will vouch for this. I'm like Mr. Bitcoin, right? I go around and just harass people. And you can't come into my office as a contractor and not leave without wallet or Satoshi at least. <laughs> that is a fact that is a fact like you can't i won't let you leave you're not getting out right <laughs> so 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 it's uh it, it's uh, that's how serious i'm about it you know i'm the model consumer and i, I would say this the bitcoin community that listen to you are very varied there are some people who who uh, you know maybe hold a lot there are some people who've done very well off of bitcoin some people who are just getting into it what i would say to the people who are looking at businesses like the bridge to bitcoin guys mm-hmm. right i'm the model consumer if you give me somewhere to i'm never going to have I, i'm not looking for a business right i'm not looking to be a merchant i'm not looking to do any of that but what i am is a solid consumer if you put a bitcoin sticker in your window i will pay in bitcoin I, I will use that everywhere. It's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for everyone else, right? And wherever you, if, if you're in doubt, if you're somebody listening to this, if you're in doubt that uh, you, you, worry, you worry about having customers or not having customers in, in Bitcoin, I am part of a network that is Bitcoin. So Bitcoin as in a social, we call them bubbles, right? So there's little bubbles. I mean, there's food bubbles and there's, you know, uh, personal privacy groups and stuff like this that I'm in. And these guys are all carrying Bitcoin, right? And I know for a fact that they trust me enough that if they're, you know, if you're a merchant and you, you provide that information, we'll come and shop with you. We will be your client base. I don't care if I'm paying for a coffee. If you sell cabbages, I'll buy your cabbages. It doesn't matter, right? And these, we're waiting. That's what we're waiting for. And that's the, that's the message about Bitcoin. We, we want to be your customers. We want to move away from this ropey, inefficient, hyper-taxed, nonsense system that we're in. Let me help you by me giving you Bitcoin for your goods. There you go, merchants. Accept it. They will come. This, yeah. is, this is what we were talking about with the... Uh, the bridge to Bitcoin guys and a shout out to the Suffolk jungle room, which is uh, in Metfield in Suffolk, my, my brother's uh, cafe, which is now accepting Bitcoin and people have come from far and wide to go across there and, and uh, just visit, say hi, buy some lunch, get some coffees, use their, uh, their bolt cards or their wallets of Satoshi or moon wallet. A guy drove two hours across country to go and gift them a handmade clock to hang on their wall. And wow. You know, my, my brother and his partner, um, they're, they're not fully down the rabbit hole. They're not like I have been. Uh, all they did 
was be open to accepting another form of payment, offering their customers another option of how to, you know, buy their goods and services. And just the most amazing things have started happening. So this merchant adoption wave that's going to happen over the next couple of years, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. I like you, like the bridge to Bitcoin guys. I, I could not push this message any harder if I tried. I'm, I'm so excited for it. You know, the, 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 the thing with this is, is if you, I, I found out about Bitcoin on my own, right? I, unfortunately, when I tried to listen to some of the guys on YouTube, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of get rich quick dickheads on YouTube, I turned it off. I couldn't, I couldn't stomach them. I recognized Bitcoin for what it was. I learned enough to know what I needed to know. And then I parked it there and went, right, this is my preferred method of payment when the options arise. You know, and like I said, I have, you know, got other stuff. Simon's trying to convince me to be a maximo. But what, what's interesting to me is, is A, I don't know all the lingo, right? So I kind of fell into the, the Bitcoin crowd now and I'm playing catch up. You know, like the whole hodl thing is literally weeks old to me. You know? right. <laughs> so, so if I, as an outsider, have been sat on Bitcoin looking for merchants to pay for it, unaware of this wider massive community and how you know it's one of these situations where you go how the hell did i miss this iceberg of people you know <laughs> and, and i did I, I plainly missed it and you know i know that the guys in my network they missed it too you know we we we, we were looking the other way when it went past and and we're all holding it right so so that's the message if, if you've got it you know if you accept it because the actual message is Bitcoin is genuine freedom. If you don't understand the hype, the way that you, you, you kill the beast isn't, you can't fight the system. That's true, right? You can't fight the government system. If you, if you kick up and you go around pulling statues down, you're getting arrested, right? If you set fire to buildings, you're getting arrested. The only way you can defeat the current system is by peaceful non-compliance. And what do I mean by that? The government and corporations, there are no different. Then there's, there's no difference there because when they stop, when people stop being politicians and become CEOs and vice versa, right? These people are the money. So what, what you have to do is say, okay, are you trying to sell me a product or are you trying to change my, my uh, thinking like Hertfordshire police recently, you know, we've, you've not committed a crime, but we've come around to, uh, to correct your thinking. <laughs> you know, that is insane, right? So peaceful non-compliance. If you, go, if you go into a shop, if you go into a supermarket and they don't tell you why their products are good and they're not open to other forms of payment, just look for somewhere else. What I can tell you is that if you're in Northamptonshire, right, I will happily help you with that. If you're in a wider network, maybe, you know, if you're, if you're outside of that and you're listening to this, you can have the footprint reach out i'll help you I'll, I'll show you what i've got you know the templates there be free and it's important bitcoin is freedom and the reason your freedom is so important to me is because my freedom hinges on your freedom mm -hmm. and more importantly my children's freedom hinges on your freedom being free so let's work together and it's, it's like it's nonsense about 
you know, the, the pantomime of the pantomime of bloody politics, or you're either conservative or you're Labour. Well, how about being neither? Why don't we just agree? It doesn't matter whether you're slightly liberal or slightly conservative or whatever in your views. Why don't we just agree that they're all ineffective? We can all agree on that. The hows and the whys is irrelevant, but let's cut, let's cut the head off the snake and just agree that, that, that we don't want to fight. We don't want to go around burning stuff down because you won't win because they'll just use force and they've got all the guns. Let's not forget that. They've got all of the, the weapons and the media and everything at their disposal. Peaceful non-compliance. Go and shop somewhere else. Don't like what they say? Vote with your fear. Right? Pay in Bitcoin. You know, just, just kill it. Just kill it. And we have that power. We have the power to change that. And that's why I'm such a big advocate. I had a count up. And at the time of recording this, I've got 38 people so far in less than four weeks to sign up for Wallet Satoshi that previously held no Bitcoin. You know, that's, that's awesome. That's 38 people. That, and it's not been a hard sell. Now, one of them, it's a lie, one of them has been an extremely hard sell and I'm under no illusions that he, he just downloaded the app just to shut me up. <laughs> and, and, and Simon's been there to witness most of it. You know, he's seen that. He's seen me. I'm not having to hard sell this to people. You know, I don't have a gun to their head. Just talk to them about this stuff. I'm currently on holiday on the East Coast and I'm talking to barista merchants on the seafront in the mornings whilst I'm buying donuts. Have you considered Bitcoin? You know, have you considered how easy it would be to receive? What you need to do is speak to the Bridge to Bitcoin guys. Here's a leaflet. You know, I'm going back. Have a wallet of Satoshi. Here's, here's, here's a couple of hundred sats to start you off from me. I know it's not a lot, but, you know, that's, that's Simon's fault. You know, he gave me the idea, you know. <laughs> he did. He gave, he gave me the idea, you know. But when people know, they know, right? And you can start using this stuff. And it's an exciting time. And as when people understand that their very freedom hinges on money, because follow the money. If you follow the money, it goes anywhere. Your freedom isn't, you are so tied up in the current system, which none of it works. <laughs> and it's all a lie. Everything's a lie. Your food's a lie. You know, government's a lie. Free speech is a lie. Even the Americans, right? The First Amendment. Let's, let's pick on that. Right? And I know this will probably drive some of the Americans crazy. So I apologize in advance. Read the First Amendment. You've got free speech, right? Wrong. They don't have free speech because they've only got free speech as long as it's not in a government building, whilst in government employment, some universities, it does not cover them for um, swearing and cursing. That's not part of their First Amendment rights. So actually, do they have free speech? No. It's just less wordy than ours. The Canadians win hand, hands down for um, restriction on free speech. They've got mm -hmm. something like four pages. And it's got even, like, you can't talk about the Holocaust in certain circumstances in it. Like, holy crap, that's very specific. <laughs> that's really specific. You've got free speech and less. That's, that's the message. But this is the point. It's the same as your money. You've got money as long as. You can, you can use a cash machine as long as we say it's on. You can have money as long. Like, I'm getting rid of my Lloyd's bank account, and I'd like to name and shame Lloyd's specifically. Right. I'm closing that down because I got a letter recently saying that they're amending their terms and conditions. And if they don't like Lloyds Bank, don't like who I'm transferring money to, they're quite prepared to uh, stop the transaction and freeze my account. Well, what happens if I, you know, 
I, I don't know. I go to the local barbers and I decide to pay him by, by bank transfer. And that local banker is donated to Canadian truckers. What, so you're going to freeze my account because I've legitimately used his business and stopped the transaction? No, you've just lost my business. If you want to talk to me about gender pronouns rather than banking, you've lost my business. <laughs> that's, that's my, that, do, do you know what I mean? I, yes. I, you, you're, a, you're a bank. Be a bank. But the, but the problem is they've, they've had such a monopoly on this where they can create money out of thin air. What is it? Ten times the ledger value, whether it's loans or actual you know, holding in the, in the bank. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'm sorry, you're making money out of thin air and you're literally pushing people to poverty. The answer for freedom is Bitcoin. And there's no other way to go. You know, and this is what I tell the gold bugs. You know, gold's great but until a man comes along like I was with a gun and takes it. You're not doing anything when it's government sanctioned. Look at, is it America? Uh, Post Great Depression, where it was illegal for citizens to own gold. Yeah, Executive that, Order 6102. That's insane. And, 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 and let, me, let me, you know, put a pill out to, to people in the UK. You are significantly more oppressed than an American. You do not have the same rights as an American. Read the law. You are, uh, we are comparatively a socialist prison camp. And those guys are getting pretty socialist over there. You know, so, so you need to make sure that you have a legitimate store of wealth. And the only one that I've been able to see is Bitcoin. And that's, that's the truth. And what a, what a way to, uh, to start wrapping this up because we've, we've been ripping for almost two hours and it's, it's been awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, if you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give that to and why? Okay, so again, this is a name and shame. And Simon's going to be laughing here. So <laughs> uh, it's a guy called Dave Creswell from West Bromwich. <laughs> <laughs> What's Dave, up, Dave? Dave? Dave Creswell from West Brom, right? He's, he's known in our office as interesting Dave, right? <laughs> because if you could orange pill any, if you can orange pill Dave, you can orange pill anyone. He is, <laughs> he is so, and he's Mr. Conformist, right? He's beyond normie, right? He hates I, his I'm life. getting, I'm getting like the office vibes here or something. You know? <laughs> no, 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 yeah. No, no, I, I, I get that, right? But he's, um, <laughs> he's, he's legit. He hates his life. He hates his job, right? He hates everything. He Come hates on, him. Dave. Bitcoin, right. Bitcoin's the lifeboat. <laughs> And, and that's what I keep telling him. And he's like, are you an effing salesman? We don't even work for the same company, right? He's one of the contractors. But remember I said, you can't leave the office without coming in and getting, uh, you know, without ending up with wallet of Satoshi. Dave has finally got it. I have ground him down to the point where he's he's got no choice but to listen. So, you know, <laughs> and, but I guess that's a conversation for another day. But... What I wanted to say very quickly, winding this up, is to encourage people. What we've done is, uh, and I can't take the credit for this. So Simon's printed a load of uh, QR codes up, right? And we've started hiding them around work. So we're encouraging the contractors to look for QR codes and scan them to get free sats, right? Just to, and the buzz it's created with contractors, people who didn't want to talk about it before, is insane. That's and then awesome. We've, and we've stepped it up a gear, right? And we've said, okay, there's going to be a golden QR code. 
and we're going to put 100,000 sats. We don't talk about it in comparative fiat, right? So they've come in the office, they've got 100 sats, they've had a spiel, it's all fun and games, bit of free Bitcoin. Now we've escalated it to a, to a treasure hunt, and now there's going to be a golden QR code, right? Now, <laughs> it's got 100,000 sats on it. That's, that's the latest buzz. That's where we're at with this stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's there. But I guess the sort of final closing thing I'd like to say is if you're unsure, if you want to talk about food storage or you just want to hear from an everyday guy, I'm not a millionaire. I have a job. I live in a, two up, you know, a three up, two down mid terrace. I'm just an everyday Joe. And if you need any help, if you're an everyday Joe and you don't know, I don't know if it's okay, but I've got an email address for people to reach out to me on. Right. Yeah, sure. Throw it out there. So it is be free and live. Uh, sorry, be free and learn at protonmail.com. Right. So just, just hit me up. If you want to know about food preservation or you're interested in one of the stories or something else that's uh, away from here, please reach out. Um, I really appreciate the time as well. You know, Daniel, this has been fantastic. I'm into about 10 of your podcasts so far <laughs> from the beginning. Right. So I love, I love you. That, that's the military man in you. I'm going to yes. start at number one and I'm going to work my way through and I'm going to be patient, low time preference. You probably not even got to the, uh, oh, perhaps Lauren's not even asked any questions yet. I can't remember when no, she not, comes in. She comes in yet. at Andy Edstrom. No, um, we're not there yet. And you might not even have the. Uh, da, 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 da. No, no, we, we're it's it's basic, right? It's right, yeah, it's, it's, it's raw, yeah. That, and I that love was it. that was proof of concept back in. Uh, I started that thirty first of Jan twenty twenty, and uh, that was literally hit record on Zoom and use uh, my my earphones and a laptop to to start a podcast, which I urge anybody to do as well, uh, because yeah. you know. We need more people out there talking about this. Yeah, that's uh, great. Am I allowed to do a shout out? Because I know this is going to get pretty. <laughs> so I'd like to do a shout, a shout out to uh, my brother, Jay, right, for embracing my crazy, right? So it sounds like he, you know, he's he's off the reservation. That's for him to tell his story. But hmm. like, you know, he, he came to the, he came to a Bitcoin meetup for the first time uh, last month, you know, and he's excited. Loads of questions on board. Need to give a shout out to uh, my wife. You know, she has put up with, you know, well, she, you know, I love her very much, and she's put up with me being very rigid and difficult for twenty years. And uh, my buddies Sam, Graham, Dean, you know, these these guys are, you know, they're they're hard hardcore bitcoiners and of course simon for uh you know being the first you know person in the area that i work with i've had three years of gender neutral potato heads right and communists i have been arguing <laughs> i've been arguing solid for three years on my own and then this guy turns up and he's like hey you ever what's that on your key ring oh that's a ledger what you all oh, right okay right. and then i'm having a full-blown discussion heated discussion with a guy who's basically saying govern me harder daddy we need more laws you know these these dirty freedom free thinking people are disgusting you know and yeah. he, he listened to me for an hour like full on you know you know full metal jacket right you seen that movie yeah. 
So what there's there's quite a famous scene where he's dressing the recruits down. That's basically what happened to this guy who came in. <laughs> it's just I just spent an hour tearing strips off of him about why you know his, his belief system was shit and he needed to shut the fuck up and get some Bitcoin. <laughs> that wasn't Simon, to be clear. That no, was, no, uh, no. Simon yeah. watched it. Simon was an yeah, onlooker. Right. <laughs> Simon was an onlooker. The guy that came in is a third party. Absolutely right. not, Simon. But but he he had a smile on his face afterwards and said, "I couldn't have agreed more." <laughs> Best mates ever since. Ever Love since, it. yeah. All right, mate. Well, I'm I'm hoping to get to a Bedford game on the 15th of October and then across to Silverstone on the 16th of October for a couple of uh, these meetups in the UK. Go and support um, Real Bedford and go and support the Bitcoin racing guys. Uh, we're we're so... there. We're on it. All right. Cool. Yeah. So we'll meet face to face, hopefully. Love it, mate. Love it. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, and uh, you know, I, I'll be uh, I'll be pulling a few more stories out of you for sure. But yeah. Thank you so much for right. uh, for coming on. And I know you're on a family holiday right now, uh, so I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time out to do this and have uh, this conversation. And yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Keep orange pilling as many people as you can, and I'm sure you'll get to Dave Cresswell. Thank you very much. You take care. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, guys, did you enjoy that one? Just a random pleb. Nobody knew was out there fighting the good fight. He's not even on Twitter. We would never have known how many more people out there like that doing this work, doing the important things of trying to orange pill merchants and spread truth and hold people accountable for their weakly held opinions, which they have no clue what they're actually talking about because they will not do any other research than just listen to the flapping head on the evening, morning, mid-afternoon, 24-7 streaming, fuck show, clown show, clown world, news streams. Get out there. Shake people up a little bit. Wake people up. Challenge their thinking. But then back it, up, back it up with what you've been learning through this little rabbit hole journey of your own. The money's broken. And if we fix the money, most things will just naturally fix themselves. That is the consequence. And it leads to a better society for all of us. So there you go. Onwards, upwards. Keep fighting the good fight. Thank you, Ricky Spanish, for coming on, brother. I'm really looking forward to uh, meeting you in real life. Like we said there, we've got these events coming up. If you're going to be in the UK, why don't you get along to a Bedford home game or Oxford as well? They are sponsored by Coin Corner, one of the show sponsors. And there's a bunch of plebs doing great work in Oxford. Give, uh, give Josias Coach Carbon on Twitter. Give him a DM. Get over there if you can. Get across to Silverstone on the 16th of October. There's going to be a bunch of us plebs there and we're going to be watching and supporting the Bitcoin racing team who are currently in El Salvador. <laughs> this is huge. They fly the El Salvadorian flag on their car. They have full backing from the embassy in the UK, the El Salvadorian embassy. They've already met Jessica Bikeli. That is Naib's cousin out in El Salvador. They're going to be meeting Max and Stacy and some other people. They might even get to meet Naib. Who knows? A big shout out to the show sponsors. You know who they are by now. Swan Bitcoin, Relay, and Coin Corner. You can stack with these guys. Coin Corner, huge announcement this week. 
doing great work in the Middle East. I can't wait to get the news from Danny and the team and have a, a rip with those guys. Shift Crypto are going to keep you safe. They just gave away a ticket to the Bitcoin conference. If you want tickets, use the code BITTEN at checkout. You'll get 10% off. Hit the link in the show notes. If you want to get across to Prague for the Liberty in Our Lifetime, use the link in the show notes. Use the code PRINCY for 10% off. Pacific Bitcoin Conference on the West Coast. Use code PRINCE. Get 10% off. All the links are in the show notes. You can go and meet a bunch of plebs. Get your friends and family a book. Hit up Consensus Network. They've got you covered in many languages. And get yourself some merch from Ungovernable Misfits. Links in the show notes, guys. Thanks, as always. Look forward to the next show.